Well, I'd like to read our verse one more time. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, once again, Merry Christmas. And I'm going to tell you something some of you may not know, uh, but I married a Christmas movie buff. Did you know that? I did. My wife loves old classics. That might be why she married me. Uh, some of you are just getting that. <laughs> it's very slow, a lot of Christmas snack, another Christmas cookies already, I can see. And, uh, you know, when we got married, I was, uh, some of you, I know you think Pam's 20 years younger than me, not quite 20. Uh, but when I, we got married, I was older and wiser. Now I'm just older. But anyway, she loves old classics. But I've noticed that many of the old classic movies are not really about Christmas. They're really more about the Christmas season. And, you know, some of you are here today for various reasons. Some of you would classify yourself as believers or followers of the Lord Jesus. Others of you would say, I'm really not sure. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against checking it out. We're figuring out what's going on. Others of you are like, no, no way. Came here. Mom made me. Dad made me. No allowance. Whatever it is. We're all here for for a different variety of reasons. But it is important for every single one of us to know the real true meaning of Christmas. And and I would say this, don't let Hollywood teach you, don't let YouTube teach you, uh, don't let them be your sources. What you should do is what I should do is we want to look to eyewitnesses. Now, there are four gospel accounts in the Bible, accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew was the first one. He was an apostle, and he was an eyewitness of Jesus. Luke, the third one, he's a careful historian. Uh, chapters 1 and 2, he got a lot, seems like he got a lot of his information from Mary, the mother of Jesus. And both of those two, Matthew and, Mark, Matthew and, Matthew and Luke, excuse me, write birth accounts. Uh, the Gospel of Mark, which is the second one, we think we got, he got his information from the uh, apostle Peter. And he begins his gospel with the good news of Jesus Christ, that the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Turn to God, believe the good news, that the Savior has come to die on the cross in your place, in my place, for our sins. John, the fourth gospel, who we're looking at tonight, he begins with the eternal reality of Jesus and the plan of God. Why does he do that? So the glory and grace of God might be revealed to us through the one John calls the Word, also known as, in Greek, the Logos. And so the title of our message today is The Meaning of Christmas, subtitle, God Became a Man. Uh, If you're taking notes, three things you can write down. If you're, you know, not taking notes, you're writing your Christmas list, God bless you, it's fine. The first thing we want to look at tonight is the word who is God, the word who is God. Uh, in, in verse one, the apostle John, who was an eyewitness, takes us far back, something he didn't see, farther back than the first Christmas morning, farther back than creation. He actually takes us back into eternity. 
He says in verse 1, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, very similar wording to the first words of the Bible, in the beginning God, Genesis 1, 1, uh, the account of God creating the world, in the beginning was the word. By the way, I think he does that on purpose. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, it's not till we get down to verse 17 that he's going to tell us the word is Jesus Christ, also known at the time when he roamed the earth, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Now, notice uh, that Jesus, uh, that John is very careful to say that Jesus himself was not created. Through him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, that would include our own life and eternal life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So before anything that we see, that we know of, existed, there was God, and there was never a time when the word, Jesus, did not exist. What is really striking about what John just told us is that the word was with God and the word was God. That means that Jesus is eternal, he is divine, and he is distinct from the one we know as God the Father. And so we see right out of the box, John establishes the uniqueness of Jesus and his eternal and unique relationship with his heavenly Father. Now, you might find this interesting, you history buffs, that many of the ancients, and before you dismiss the ancients, that's where many of the greatest philosophers of all time, still to this day, come from the ancient world. Uh, Many of the ancients thought that the word meant many different things than just the way we think of the word. They often tied the word or the word logos with thoughts, with reason, even with science, not just words. In the Old Testament, the, 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 that connects the word to God's power in creation. It connects the word to God's revelation to humankind, God's word to deliverance, God's word to salvation, all just from God's speech. God speaks and things happen. When you read the New Testament, you see that too. Jesus speaks and things happen. John tells us that creation is God's first uh, communication with us. It is his first uh, self-disclosure to us that the word makes with us is seen in the creation. So the scripture teaches that God never depended on anything for his existence Yet the existence of everything else depends upon God. Now, this is actually related to a term called agency. And what we mean by agency is by asking ourselves the question, how did the world get here? How did the universe get here? What was the agency that brought the world into existence, the universe into existence? Did it just come about? Did it, did it do it by itself? Was it, was it always here? Uh, second law of thermodynamics would say no, or, or is it God? Is it God who did it? 
In the ancient world, logic and wisdom was very important. Now, I think a lot of us wish that was still the case today, don't we? And uh, there's not, not always a, a lot of logic and wisdom around. But interesting, separate from logic and wisdom was matter. So there's two questions quickly to ponder. This is probably more for the scientists in the crowd. Um, can logic create matter? Most people would say yes. Or, and, can matter create logic? Now, that's a much dip, more difficult question. You can go home and talk about that and ruin your Christmas Eve. But uh, John is teaching us that all things came into being by the word who is God, Jesus. And that means that the universe and the world belongs to God, belongs to Jesus. Number two. The word who became a man, the word who became a man. Now we have to jump all the way down to verse 14. Not something we normally do in Calvary Chapel, but we're allowed to on the holidays. It's in a little book that some of us have, but most of us don't. Okay, verse 14. And the word became flesh. This logos, this word, this creator, verse 17, we're going to learn it's Jesus, is God, became flesh. What does that mean? He became human. He became human and dwelt among us. And John says, and we beheld. He's like, we saw this with our own eyes. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten. What does that mean? Kind of the uniqueness of Jesus, the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So here we see another of God's self-disclosure in the word who becomes flesh. Now, what he's saying is, it's quite simple. God himself became flesh. God himself physically became a man. Not, not spiritually. Oh, Jesus, you know. No, 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 no. Physically, God became a man. God humbly put on humanity. He, how humble was he? He was born in a manger. I know on your front lawn it looks nice and clean and all that. It's basically a feeding trough in a, in a barn or probably in a cave. So they cleaned out what the animals ate out of as best they could. And they put some hay in there probably and put him in there. And, and, and he came and it says that he dwelt, which means that he lived among us. In other words, God became like us. One, one distinction, he did not have a sinful nature like we have. If you don't have, think you have a sinful nature, you need to have a really deep, intense conversation with the person sitting next to you, okay? Because we all have a sinful nature. So it's important to see this, despite what some people will say. The scripture claims that God did not seem or appear to be human, but he actually became a human and actually walked on this earth. Now, important question. When Jesus, God, became a man, did the word ever cease to be God? Answer, no. He added humanity to already being God. So Jesus was truly God and truly man. But don't, don't think it's like 50-50. It's not 50-50. It's 100% God 100% man. 
Two other words here I find to be quite interesting are dwelt and glory. Now, you say, why, why is it interesting? Well, if you're a Bible student, you know that those words are associated with the tabernacle or the tent that the, that the people of God wandered around in, had in the wilderness. They would go somewhere, and then God would tell them to stop, and they would set up this tent, and that would be their place of worship. It was there uh, with Moses in a tent that God met with his people. Exodus chapter 40, verse 34 says, that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. But now, many years later, we're told that the glory of the Lord fills the Christmas child, and the glory of the Lord is visible in the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So what happened? As God would have the people pitch the tent, and then God would inhabit the tent. God has pitched his tent here on earth, to which the tabernacle pointed, among us. How has he pitched his tent among us? Now his tent is in the person and in the glory of Jesus Christ, the Christ child, the Christmas child. It was in the tabernacle, it was in the tent that God spoke with Moses. Exodus thirty-three eleven tells us that God spoke with Moses as a man speaks with his friend. But now, things are different. The Christmas child, as he grew older, the word, as he grows older, becomes the voice of God to the world. So John indirectly asks you and me, do you want to know what God is like? Do you want to know what God is like? And he says, we beheld his glory. He says, I saw him. I can tell you what God is like. Take a free Bible. Read the rest of my gospel, he would say to us. And you can meet the word. You can meet the logos. You can meet God become a man. John 14, 9, Jesus is talking to his friend Philip. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? What a soul-searching question. Maybe, some, maybe you're here today and you've been in church your whole life and you just don't really know him. You don't know him at all. And God, he says to you today, have you been with me so long? Have you been hanging out around the church so long and you still don't know me? You can know him. Jesus says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So what is he saying? He's equating himself to be equal with God. Jesus says, you want to know about God? Learn of me. Later on in the New Testament, after Jesus ascended to heaven, the book of Hebrews, the writer says this, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days, you're like, oh no, he's going to tell us the world is going to end. Now, the last days are simply between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming. He has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. So Jesus is the king through whom he also he made the world. So God become a man is the hope for the world. Well, number three, and this is one I think we all have to really pay attention on, the word requires a choice. 
the word requires a choice. You could even say the word forces us all to make a choice. Well, back in verse 5, we read that light came into the darkness, right? Jesus, the light, came into the darkness. That would be the world. Well, what happened? Let's look at verse 10. He who was in the world, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world, and he's speaking of the unbelieving world, did not know him. He came to his own, came to the world, and his own did not receive him. Now look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, those who believe in his name, who, verse 13, were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, that would be just their earthly parents, but of God. So it's a different kind of birth. Here we see instead of being ready for God, when he came, the world missed him and rejected him. Now, I know that we're not going to like to hear the reason why, but he told us the reason why is because of the darkness in our hearts, that there's something really wrong with us on the inside. Luke tells us in his simple gospel account before Jesus was born that there was no room for him at the inn. And so there was, there was no room in the hearts of men and women for Jesus. You could say this, we missed the opportunity while he was here. And friend, please do not go home tonight having missed the opportunity. Consider these things before you leave and as you sing after the service. And and if you want to talk to any of us after the service, we would love uh, to talk to you. Why, Why do people miss the opportunity? Well, you know, we're busy. We're indifferent to God. So what, what did God do? He came, comes to us, and he offers us a simple choice. He says, choose me or not. Sadly, the verb tense uh, that is here, it says his own, and Bible scholars say, does he mean Israel or all humanity? Uh, obviously, I would think in many cases it could be said to be both. He says, his own did not receive him. What does that mean? He came to people and people said, stay away. So anybody ever tell you about Jesus and you say, stay away? Yeah, I did for the first 29 years of my life. And so, and so that was like two years ago. Um, so anyway, so, so people come to you, they tell you about Jesus and you say, stay away. And so it points to the rejection of God by men and women. And then there's something else that's here when he says, as many as received him to them, the idea is to them and them only, he gave the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. This would mean contrary to popular opinion. Did you know popular opinion is often wrong? Okay, contrary to popular opinion, some people are children of God and some people are not. And that's what he really just said. John is teaching us that only people who are born of God, that's what he says. He says, you were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. It wasn't up to your mommy and daddy, but of God. And so only people who are born of God, some, we used to say born again, but now that's like a spiritual jihadist in the Northeast, so we don't, we don't say that so much anymore. But you, you need to be born by the power of God and adopted by God to be one of his children. 
to be able to call heaven your home. So this means that all of us can have a divine birth. How does it happen? Well, it's sort of this this mixing of, of, of faith and a divine transformation. And what happens is the scripture teaches us that God will actually come to live inside of you. Well, how does that happen? He says, but as many received him. What do they do? They choose the light. They, Jesus said, repent and believe. We often say here, turn and trust. We repent. We turn to God. We believe. We put our trust in Jesus instead of ourselves. We hold on to Jesus instead of this unbelieving world. We choose to, to walk in the light instead of walking in the darkness. And then he says, to them, again, only them, God gave. We call that the grace of acceptance. God accepted us. God gave the right to become something we weren't already before, children of God. And notice it says they choose to, at the end of verse 12, believe in his name. They choose to trust in Jesus. They choose to trust in the word. They choose to trust in the logos instead of themselves. And in verse 16, he concludes the Christmas story and he says, and of his fullness, and that would simply probably mean the blessings of God, we, those who have put their trust in Jesus, have received, have all received, and grace for grace. That probably means the continuous experience and presence of God in our lives. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. I think the closest that we've ever, we've ever seen in the Bible is in chapter 6 of Isaiah when he goes to heaven. And he cannot say a thing. You know, he, he's like, oh, woe to me. I am a man of unclean lips. Probably the holiest man in the land. And he cannot say it. He is undone in the presence of God. And that's just really the, the closest anyone has ever come. No one has ever seen God at any time. The only, uh, the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. So on Christmas morning, God himself was seen as a man and he came to die on the cross and Jesus comes from the heart of the Father to show us what God is really like. Well, all you need to do today is just flip on the television, go on social media, whatever you do, wherever you go, there's just a lot of voices, aren't there? I mean, there are so many voices talking these days with all kinds of of promises, with all kinds of ideas, how to fix our problems and how to make things better. The Apostle John tells us that, that, that the Word, God himself, become a man, came to earth on that first Christmas to bring us hope. But the hope that God brings is not an idea. The hope that God brings is a person. And his name is is Jesus Christ. Yet our world rejected him. You say, what do you mean they rejected him? Well, we put him on a cross. We crucified him. I know we'd like to think that if we were there, we wouldn't be one of those people, but certainly, while we might not have been one of those people, we all struggle with our indifference towards God, don't we? 
We all struggle with blaming him for things. We all struggle with sometimes, you know, thinking he's forgotten me or he doesn't really have a good finger on the pulse of what's going on. Because that's who we are. All of us. In one way, it's not a big deal. In the other way, it's a very big deal. See, for all of us to admit to one another that we're sinners is is not that big a deal. But, But in front of God, remember what I said about Isaiah? He couldn't even stand in front of him. Now, some of you might think, um, well, you know, I guess because I sin, that what makes me a sinner. That's not really the truth. Okay, we sin because we are sinners. That's where we all are. But here's the deal. God loves you so much, he refused to give up on you. He wasn't going to leave you that way. So he came to take the punishment for your sins and for my sins on a cross. And he says, all you need to do is choose my son. All you need to do is believe that he took the penalty for your sins. And I will take your sins and I will put them on him. And I will take his perfect righteousness and I will put it on you. Now, practically, of course, we'll all still sin, but in God's eyes, He sees those who put their trust in Jesus as being perfect. You see, the meaning of Christmas really comes down to this, that that God took the initiative to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. God took the initiative to restore us to him. God took the initiative to, to transform anyone who would put their trust in Jesus. God would take out a heart that you have towards God, a heart of indifference or hatred towards God, which God says is a heart of stone. God will take it out and he'll put a soft heart in you, a heart of love towards God. People say to me, how does that happen? I really don't know. It's just a miracle. It's just a miracle. I know that some people think they can do it without God. Friend, you didn't bring yourself into this world, and you're certainly not going to get yourself out of this world. I know a lot of religious people think that they can do it through devotion and rituals. My challenge to you is if, you, if, if devotion and rituals was enough, why in the world did God have to send his son to go through everything that he went through? It makes no logical sense. See, the meaning of Christmas is about God becoming a man, disclosing himself as being full of grace, being willing to give you and I what we, what we don't deserve. He disclosed himself. He disclosed God. Jesus disclosed God as being full of grace and truth. And he offers new life to anyone, anyone who would put their trust in him. Is all the other stuff of Christmas wrong? I don't think so. But is to forget the true meaning of Christmas wrong? I think knowing what you just learned in the past few minutes, I think it is. Well, let's pray.